Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. And I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Ross Martin and Don Callahan on a Father's Day podcast. Don, I know you've been insanely busy, and today's going to be busy for you too as well, not football related, but family related, so I wanted to get to this podcast early and start off. Let's talk about Larry Fedora's Freak Show. A little bit different maybe in years past. Explain to our listeners how so and what you saw just generally and overall on Saturday. Well, yeah, there was a lot of, oh, first I got to, I got to say happy Father's Day to, uh, yeah, to I mean, Tommy. Let's start here. I mean, first of all, this is a the first time Don and I have been on the podcast together. It is. Oh, it yes. is a milestone for that. Stars yeah, aligned, and you know, it's been it's a great opportunity for me. It's something I've kind of dreamed about for years. So <laughs> it made my day, made my morning to be on this podcast. Um, and happy Father's Day to you two. Yeah, you know, I told all my kids, and I only have two of them. It made it sound like I have like <laughs> ten of them there. That um, you guys, no matter what gift you guys give me today, it's not going to surpass the fact that I'm going to be on the podcast with uh, Ross Martin for the first time ever. That's right, and Especially I mean. Spending with the most of uh, the, the past ten days with Ross has been such a such a blessing. Yeah, and and, and I always look forward to June because I get to just see Don. You know, even before I work for Inside Carolina, I always look forward to just afternoons together in Keenan Stadium. Just you know, he's one of my best friends, so it's just an <laughs> honor to to share this Sunday morning with y'all. Don, have you gotten your donuts yet? Your Father's Day donuts? I have not received my donuts yet. My wife wants to sleep in. She thinks it's Mother's Day. So um, I have not my donuts. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for this podcast. By we, the way. Call him, we call him Donut Don because every Father's Day he gets 12 Krispy Kreme donuts of his choice. And he picks uh, different kinds of donuts, right? Is that, is that kind of the deal? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't choose them. Uh, they get chosen for me. And, um, but it's, it's chosen with my, my wife knows what I like. So she knows what, uh, what donuts to hit me up for. So yeah, and he just sits in bed. I won't eat all 12 it, today. He sits in bed, eats all 12 as the, the, <laughs> the glaze drips down his, his chest and into his. You know, yeah. Well, we actually, besides that, we're going to go, or we are going to go out with a couple of neighbors and watch the, uh, couple of world cup games. So. Let me, let me get my piece in. So as y'all are doing this, I can smell the bacon wafting from my kitchen down Ooh. below. Oh, so, so time's getting the bacon. Yeah. So y'all need to uh, pick this up and let's get this rolling. I, I'm sipping my vegan, uh, my vegan <laughs> smoothie right now after my five yeah. mile run this morning. So have fun with that guys. And Ross cheated on his cleansing last night, by the way. You can't, you can't tell people that Don. <laughs> We had pizza in the office last night at 11.30, and I happened to have a slice or two. It was more than a slice or two, I'm just saying. Yeah, it was a grand uh, time, yeah. All right, know, free show time. Hey, I just got to point this out. 
Uh, I just got a text message from my wife with just the middle finger. So I think she overheard what I said. <laughs> nice work, anyway, boys. Yeah, I, I can right, feel the, the love. Let's talk about Larry Fedora. Freak show. Freak yes. Show. Yes. All right. The to me, there were a couple of changes. It just subtle. Nothing. Nothing major. It's still. It's still. You know, the concept is still the same. They did a lot of stuff with um, the former NFL. Well, the current NFL players, former Tar Heels. I'll let Ross talk about that a little bit more because he actually watched a lot of that. I was on the side doing something else. They also, um, during the dodgeball, which has, I guess, become a staple of the freak show, they, I guess, during the championship, quote-unquote, dodgeball game, the, the coaches went and grabbed a bunch of um, uh, water guns and, um, you know, and water, uh, balloons. water balloons and stuff like that and just started to kind of just – I guess they basically ambushed the game. And the and the coaches never played against the players. That's usually this thing. They play like a four-team tournament, and then the winner gets to play the coaches. And that, that never happened. So that's another change. They didn't do the who's next portion, which I think kind of contributed to the lack of uh, commitments. We'll get into that, I'm sure. I'm trying to think, what else was the main di- – is there anything well, else I'm missing that yeah, made, I mean, made healthy- different? Usually, what I remember, they held the like kind of introductions inside Keenan Stadium in like the video room. They do this big presentation. Yes, and they and didn't do that either. Coach Fedor and, and Coach Brewer have talked in the past. They do a big video with like you know UNC is a top five public school, blah blah. And they, you know, have a big video and they introduce the pl- foreign players there. They didn't do any of that. They did it all on the field with a. Uh, I'll just dive into it now. There were over twenty, maybe twenty five former players there so they did a big introduction it's a really good ones too yeah i mean they had i mean I, i'm trying to think of anybody that wasn't really there i mean they had trubisky switzer mac hollins the list is on um the the premium scoop uh nazir jones was there mj stewart uh james hurst uh sylvester williams jonathan cooper um it was a who's who of the last uh you know six or seven years of of UNC players who have made it to the uh, NFL. Giovanni Bernard was there. So they did a great job of um, bringing those players back. And so they introduced each one. Fedora had a microphone, you know, kind of introduced them, told them where they are, where they got drafted, you know, who they're currently playing for, what year of the contract they're in. Um, and that was really cool. They showed a couple highlights of each player. Um, so I think they did a really good job of getting all those players back. And that helps when you've been, you know, been at the program for six or seven years now, like Fedora and uh, kind of you know, bringing back that kind of family um, idea that obviously the basketball program, basketball program has been really good about. Um, and it's become almost this freak show weekend, which is, uh, you know, middle of June is kind of like a reunion of sorts for UNC football. Um, Cause last year, a lot of players came back as well. And it's kind of a, becoming a, a tradition for that so that was cool um but the one the thing players- i want to i want to jump in real quick is that the fact that they did really kind of detailed introductions for all the players i think was really important especially since they had the recruits who were in attendance in the stands because believe it or not this might sound just crazy for for anyone listening but some of these recruits might not know who some of these these nfl players are you know They'll know Trubisky. They probably know Switzer. But some of these other guys who have had long careers, who may be a lineman, you know, or whatever, um, they may not know, may not know, you know, just the type of players that North Carolina has produced the last few years. So I think that was a really good uh, touch to kind of introduce some of these guys, particularly the guys who are out of state that are coming in. But go ahead, Ross. Yeah, I think it's just great for the football program at all to have these guys involved in in terms of just – 
<clears throat> recruiting and, and Rams club and, and being involved with the program. Um, it's, it's really cool to see all those guys coming back, especially the ones who've had a lot of success. You know, Matt Collins was, was bragging about a Super Bowl. Of course, all eyes are on Trubisky, the number two pick uh, in 2017, which was cool. And, and, it, it, I think it was a really special deal, and we talked about this last night, Don. This was the clearly the the largest contingent of four players that we have seen together at the freak show, and the most, uh, I guess, talented or, or decorated there as well. And and they weren't. I mean, they're kind of involved in drills, but they're just kind of hanging out and hyping it up. And and well, it depends Eric, on who you're talking about, because like uh, Trey Boston, which I thought was probably the one of the funnier moments of the night. He had police tape, yellow police tape. That was any time one of the DBs shut down a receiver during the one-on-ones, he'd bring out the police tape and him and, and MJ Stewart do crazy things with it, you know, pull it across the field. When um, <laughs> Tony Davis beat um, Rick Juan Anderson in the final one-on-one, it was like this one-on-one that the players wanted to have, just one last, um, I guess, uh, matchup. Uh, they actually draped it, the, the, this, that police tape, over uh, Tony Davis in celebration. So, but yeah, there were some guys like I saw Mitch, Mitch Trubisky there, but during the camp, I can't tell you where he was, if he was even on the field, to be honest with you. But there's other guys that were, that were similar to that also. Yeah. And usually a lot of the, the current players are ones who are actually working the camp, um, mm-hmm. like Chad Stratton and Nathan Elliott working with the QBs. Um, the, the, the wide receiver, you know, quarterback uh, one-on-ones are awesome because Eric Ebron is super loud the whole time. Yes. KJ Sales gets really involved as well. You know, that that dynamic between the wide receivers and cornerbacks is really cool. And, and during the introductions, Eric Ebron was – it was like a stand-up uh, comedian. I mean, he was dropping one-liners left and right. It was hilarious because he's just a complete goofball. And it was a really funny scene as they were making all those uh, introductions and, and highlights and stuff. And uh, that, was, that, was, that was the pretty entertaining part of the night. Let's talk about uh, performers in the camp itself. Y'all mentioned a few names, Tony Davis, Raekwon Anderson, Don, who stood out as far as on the field drill work, uh, doing what they do in these camps, who made an impression on you and maybe on the Carolina staff? The two guys off the top of my head, and I know that there's others, but the two guys off the top of my head um, were Raekwon Anderson, a, I guess an A-back guy from uh, South Georgia, and uh, uh, Kamari Morales is a tight end out of uh, Tallahassee. Um, now, you know, just keep in mind, Ross spent a lot of time with the linemen during the one-on-one portion. Well, spent the entire time with the linemen during the one-on-one portion while I watched the wide receivers and DBs. So, obviously, my guy, my guy is probably going to come from that group, and, and his, guy probably, his guys will come from the, the linemen. But, uh, but, yeah, those guys were, were – I was really, really impressed because they're not – you know, national recruits, but, uh, I mean, they certainly played like it on uh, Saturday night. You know, Anderson just had a multitude of ways to beat DBs during the one-on-ones. I mean, he could just blow past them. He could, you know, make a, you know, a quick fake to get open. He will, he outmuscled a couple of guys to make a grab. He was just super impressive. And to me, I, I don't, I, I can't think of a, uh, a player who fits that mold of the a back position better than him. Now with uh, Morales, he, you know, he doesn't, he's a beefy kid. So you kind of expected to maybe be a plotter, but um, he actually had really, really quick feet. And, you know, just like um, 
Anderson, but maybe not to the extent. Um, he used his quick feet to get open underneath, but he also was super strong where he went up a cup against a couple of the, the, the more physical defensive back like um, uh, Braden um, Harrington, who's a guy that I've touted you know, early on in the week with his play. Uh, he actually earned an invitation to the freak show because he was so dominant during a prior camp. But, um, you know, he didn't phase Morales whatsoever with his physicality. You know, Morales just easily just made a grab, made a bunch of really good catches, you know, has really good hands. And UNC is in great position with both of these guys. So while things may not look so great, uh, if, if they can land these two guys, it would be a huge uh, a huge cue for, for uh, North Carolina. Ross, what were some of the guys that stood out to you? Yeah, real quick, though. So where does UNC stand with Raekwon Anderson? I'm kind of reading your scoop now. It looks like he doesn't have a lot of big offers, but UNC is one of them. Is that a guy you think UNC is, is, is a pretty good spot to land? Yeah, so he told me last night, we'll have actually, we probably should have talked about this before, but we'll have stories out on all these guys, the majority of them. Um, you know, Some of them we spoke to last night, and then we'll also have video from the camp throughout the next, really, we, we'll have so, we have so much video, we're going to have to spread it out through the next couple of weeks. We'll also have photo galleries, all that sort of stuff. So I think it's, you know, if, if you weren't able to make the freak show, and I would imagine most people listening to this weren't able to make it, Definitely check back at Inside Carolina every day because we're going to have new stuff from the Freak Show for the next couple of weeks. But yeah, um, going back to your question, he told me that he's down to North Carolina and Central Florida, and he will make his decision on July second. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, he he said he wasn't leaning any one direction. You got to think North Carolina has a really good shot with this kid, and I wouldn't look so much at his offers to determine his value because he he plays in a really really remote area in Georgia so remote that when I went to Georgia for uh, you know for the I think it was the Under Armour camp usually I I, I go and visit a bunch of schools in in that area to you know to talk to recruits get photos interviews all that sort of stuff and I had planned to go see him because I knew that he was pretty high on North Carolina's recruiting board but then I realized that when I actually Google mapped it, that he's like 30 minutes from Jacksonville, Florida. And he ends up being, it was crazy how far away he was from where I was going to be in Atlanta. So he's not in an area that a lot of coaches are going to go to. So I think that kind of hinders, hinders uh, his recruitment, but he comes from the same area that, that, you know, Champ Bailey came from and, and a couple of other guys. I think, I think um, I want to say Herschel Walker came from that area, if I'm not mistaken. Charlie also, so Ward it is, was down there from Southern Georgia too, wasn't he? Thomasville, Georgia, places like that. That produced yeah, some yeah, talent yeah. down that way. So yeah, there definitely is talent down there. There so, definitely is. So. so this guy is a wide receiver kind of slot, a back yes. type guy. Okay. Yes, yes. So he's he's you. Know, Ryan Switzer is a good comparison. The difference I'm talking about high school wise. Uh, the difference is is that Ryan Switzer was a running back in high school who played receiver, and. Raquan Anderson is a receiver who plays a little bit of running back in high school. If you look at his numbers, I'd have to pull up um, what I have, but um, uh, his obviously he's, he leads his team in receiving, but he was he, he might have led his team in, in rushing also. If he wasn't, if he didn't lead his team in rushing, he was second on his team, which is a huge accomplishment for for a receiver on, on no matter what team. It kind of speaks to just his uh, his. Uh, you know, tool set and, and, and what he could do on a college football field. Nice. 
Um, and it looks so like let me have- give, hey, let me give you a donut update. I just saw my <laughs> wife's car depart the driveway, and she had both kids in the car, which okay. means that they're going to pick out donuts. All right, so uh, life is going to be good pretty soon here. I'm gonna I'm gonna head over there after doing this podcast. Well, she's on her way over here, so I sent her. I texted her my address and said we need two dozen. Uh, yeah. So uh, moving along to who I thought stood out, you know, I'm not involved in recruiting as much as Don is. Obviously, I mean, not at all. So I came in kind of not really knowing many names, um, but I mean, obviously, the biggest recruit uh, in attendance, I'd say, in terms of ranking was um was right darnell Wright out of huntington west virginia he actually was a sophomore at the same high school as billy ross who is a uh, offensive lineman for unc so they're teammates he was the most dominant offensive tackle he's big he's 6'6 315 uh he was dominant uh, as in terms of that tackle position in one-on-ones he's has a little athletic look to him but he's he's very big as well but he moves well i was impressed with what he did um I mean, he's, he's like a top 10 player overall in the 2019 class. Um, so that'll be interesting how that goes. Obviously, he has all the offers in the country. and uh, But he has a little tie to UNC uh, with Billy Ross. And he's been to UNC a bunch of times. But he was really impressive as well. Um, d- defensive line-wise, C.J. Clark was by far the best defensive tackle. Uh, he was the biggest guy there in terms of girth. Uh, really explosive. The defensive tackles and ends have an advantage on one-on-ones, and so it's kind of hard to gauge truly you know, how good they are because it's always a pass rush. But uh, it, you could tell why he's highly desired by a lot of programs, and he's announcing on Monday. Um, he's made a couple of visits to UNC recently along with a couple of visits to State too, so it'll be interesting to see the decision on Monday. But um, those two guys stood out. Uh, Luke Weipler, who I don't know how talented Ron, he is. Before you, before you get into Luke, let me ask you yeah. a question, because you actually spoke to CJ following the camp. Yeah. We've been covering it ad nauseum the past couple of weeks. He made, you know, he, he announced that um, he, he's had his top three for a while, but he's been saying that Georgia and NC State were fighting for the top spot. But UNC had as good of an opportunity as ever to kind of swing the momentum their direction because they had four visits in 10 days. From your conversation with uh, with CJ Clark, what were your thoughts on if North Carolina was able to swing that momentum? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell. He definitely didn't tip his hand. And I, know, I remember reading those message boards about him wearing a Georgia hat to a UNC camp. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it didn't seem like UNC was in the lead, but he didn't. I don't know. He he definitely wasn't giving much of a hint. Um, and he said he right now his decision is to make a, a decision on Monday. Um, but the fact he's come back to UNC, you know, you always you always watch what they do, not what they say. Uh, it's a little recruiting line there for you, Don. Uh, that one's free. Um, but, uh, you know, he has some ties here. He didn't say the fact that Drew Little and Antonio Williams, his teammates, former teammates at North Stanley, that doesn't really make much difference to him. Uh, I think that kind of indicated that, you know, maybe Georgia state or, or, or the is more likely the decision there, but you know, UNC had a full court press on him. Fedor went and talked to him and his family or whoever he was with for about 10 minutes after the camp. Thigpen was with him throughout the, the last 30 minutes of the camp. Um, Papuchas came and talked to him as well. I think coach cap came and talked to him as well. 
So, I mean, they were on him. So, I mean, he clearly but knows. The he's other thing, him. too, that I noticed during the registration is that Tommy Thigpen had was basically shadowing C.J. Clark's father. C.J. Clark's father doesn't make a whole lot of visits. He's made more recently the last couple of months, and he was the one that actually drove C.J. to uh, to the to the freak show, which caused a little bit of um, worry when Drew Little showed up and C.J. Clark had yet to show up. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Tommy Thigpen was by his side the entire time during the registration. They walk in throughout the facilities, on the on the the um the field and all that and it just seemed like those guys were inseparable which it, was obviously by design yeah and um you know this is the first chance he's he's gotten to be coached by deke adams uh, in the camp so i mean obviously that's a, a big part of kind of the recruitment to see kind of how you would be coached if you were to commit so that is my cj clark report don where do you think he commits on monday are you gonna tip your hand are you gonna make a crystal <laughs> ball know, pick uh, no, I'm not going to make a crystal ball pick. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think if put gun to my head, had to put money down on that sort of thing, I think I'm going to go to state. But, I mean, I'm not all that confident. Everybody I talked to, and I talked to a bunch of people who are really close to him, they they don't have a, have any sort of feel. And these are people I've known a long time and people who would, would not kind of give me the runaround. Um, so I, I trust what they're telling me, and, and they don't know. You know, and they've told me different times they thought it was Georgia, they thought it was UNC, and all this sort of stuff. And you know, talking to them on Saturday night, they just don't know. So I don't, I don't know how I can really know. But I think if um, if I had to pick, I, I would pick NC State. But I I would not be shocked in the least if he just all of a sudden said, "All right, I'm going to North Carolina." Because really, if you look at all the facts, everything just leads him to North Carolina. You know, you mentioned some of. Of it, uh, you, uh, the one, the one tidbit that that um, you didn't mention was uh, Quan Servant is his cousin who played at North Carolina. He's from a very, very. While well, we talked about off the air, how how uh, what what you know Stanley, I'm sorry, what Johnston County is as far as uh, their allegiance. Um, I won't go there right now, but Stanley County is very, very pro UNC. Um, so it's just you know his one of his really good friends is going there. You know, Antonio Williams is is not only someone who's a former teammate of his, but they're actually former uh, former um, neighbors, and they're very close. He's there now, and from what I was told, his face lit up when he found out that Antonio was transferring to North Carolina. It just everything sounds like it's going to be North Carolina, but then, you know, he's that's not what he's saying. Don, you know? is, and, Don is setting up the message board for a meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> By giving all it's these gonna, well, if he picks, if he doesn't pick North Carolina, it's going to melt down regardless of what I say. Yeah. Let's uh, let me take a break and pay some bills. We're going to get into what I just heard a shot across the bow uh, from Don Callahan, but more football talk, more football recruiting talk when we come back from break. And uh, I'm going to sit back and watch Ross and Don continue to run this podcast. <laughs> Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. 
the Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. All right, we're back. And, Don, let me ask you this. This is something we've talked about over the years as far as – and we're sort of switching straight to recruiting here. Um, and I'm not going to get on you too much about the Johnston County Allegiance thing. But <laughs> we've talked about uh, how much wins and losses matter um, in the recruiting game. And, you know, it's always been – Whiten really high up on the list, at least correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't think, especially recency bias, it wasn't high up on the list. But I feel like this year, and maybe it's just uh, me searching for a reason for North Carolina's maybe struggles on the recruiting front, especially considering the local schools and their success. But three and nine seems to be really affecting Larry Fedora and his staff. For whatever reason, yes. kids kids don't, you know, injuries, whatever, you're three and nine. Talk a little bit about that and how they've sort of had to fight that battle because, you know, three and nine is an ugly, ugly mark. But let's be serious, you know, seven and five, eight and four is not the greatest thing, but it certainly looks really good up next against three and nine. Yeah, I think, and I've said this multiple times on the podcast, is that individual seasons don't don't affect a recruit nearly as much as what fans believe. I think it's more the perception of the program, which is what you are alluding to with, you know, talking about the seven and five records and all that sort of stuff. Um, obviously three and nine doesn't help. Now the the class that the three and nine is going to affect more than any other class is this current class right now. So when someone says and and we don't hear it so much, but there used to be when we were talking about a recruit, they you know they would say, well, if North Carolina wins 10 games this season, North Carolina is going to get that guy. And I would always say, no, no, no. That's not how it's going to go down because this kid already has in his mind what North Carolina is based off of the prior season because the kid's actually you know in the process of making this decision during this season and, and already has that impression of North Carolina. So the 3-9 and nine is, go- is affecting this this class more than any other class because the the 2020 class they're going to be focusing on this upcoming season um you know so so yes it does have an effect maybe not to the degree that most fans think i think it's more of just what the perception of north carolina football is and and the perception is is it's a middling acc program and so in order for that perception to change you know, one season is not going to change that that perception, whether it's positive or negative. You know, you look at the uh, the year that UNC went, what was it, eleven and three, and, and played in the ACC championship. That one season didn't have this huge recruiting bump. North Carolina would have to do you know win eleven games a couple of seasons in a row in order for the perception of the program to change, just like the three and nine. But yes, it it definitely is having an effect, and I think really the it's kind of a perfect storm situation because there's two positions that in state are really, really strong. Um, and, and that's defensive line and DBs. Now it just so happens that NC state is really kind of, um, you, you know, making, making good on the fact that they sent four defensive linemen to the NFL and, um, 
and it just so happens that the state has some really good defensive linemen and it's paying dividends for them and credit them for taking advantage of that situation. And, and it just so happens that North Carolina is going after those same defensive ends and or defensive linemen and, and isn't, isn't having any success. Hey, credit, credit NC state, Tommy, credit NC state. That's what Don just said. I look, I don't want to make a lot of people mad on this, but I credit them a hundred percent because I've seen them up close, how they recruit uh, local folks and it works, whatever they're doing works. And so, but 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 even, I mean, you're talking about Savion Jackson and it it helps the fact that Savion, I'm sure watched the NFL draft and and maybe he didn't even watch it. He was told, Hey, these guys got drafted all four of you know, four defensive linemen got drafted. You want to go to the NFL? We, we just did it just now. And that, that, that affects things. Yeah, yeah that absolutely, 100%, especially when you have a guy like Chubb who, you know, Carolina fans, other fans of other schools may not like him, but these guys love him. And, and they think he's the coolest thing ever, and he's personable, and he, he you know, kicks it with these guys, and, and they want to go be like that. And, look, and it, that resonates add, with high school kids. You add that with the negative recruiting with the three and nine, and it's a perfect recipe for State to – to you know, seize the opportunity with in-state recruiting, and that's a whole another podcast to dive into to this wormhole of uh, of state versus North Carolina and, and the recruiting and all that stuff. So, well, well, let's keep it on North Carolina, and let me ask you this, Don: Do you think? And it may not be a question for you. It, maybe Ross, you can chime in. Do you think that maybe the approach needs to change a little bit um, as far as the approach for Carolina in in recruiting these guys? And and you're right. The perfect storm. NC State's got the draft. I think the NFL deal is as big as anything. Yeah, for, I think that's probably bigger than NC State's success last season and UNC's not success last yeah, season. I I I I believe that absolutely. But do you think that there's anything different maybe that the staff can do? Because I see I see guys getting offers early. Um, you know, some guys getting offers early, and then I see other guys that maybe could, you know, develop more that are more locally get offers late, perhaps. But do you think the staff um, maybe needs to make an adjustment in light of this cycle? You know, I, I, and I don't know what that adjustment would be, but in your mind, you've covered recruiting a long time. Do you think there's something maybe that needs to be adjusted in the plan or in the way? the staff goes after people. Cause I mean, Rory Williams on the basketball side certainly adjusted um, somewhat, you know, when they were struggling getting recruits, do you think it's a thing that Larry Fedora and his staff maybe need to look at or could look at as far as changing things up a little bit? Before I get into that, I got to give another donut update. My wife's car has just entered my garage. So um, I didn't see anything, but um, that's a good sign. Um, to answer your question, <laughs> which means this podcast is on its last legs to our listeners. But yeah. Either is- that, or are you going to hear me with a mouthful of donut in a second? Um, <laughs> I think it's it's hard to kind of paint it with a broad brush because I feel like each assistant coach kind of does their own thing in their particular areas and with their guys, and and some coaches do a really good job, and some coaches have a different approach that I feel like could be adjusted. Um, I don't, I don't want to go and call out anyone uh, because uh, I gotta, I gotta deal with, uh, with these coaches, but I I do think that there are 
certain situations that could be adjusted. And but I do think there's certain coaches who just you know just grind and are doing a really good job and doing the best they can considering the the the, the circumstances that they're kind of dealing with with you know the, the three and nine and and the fact that you know the biggest rival on the football field is is having success not only on the football field but in the NFL draft. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always things that you can change that would will help. You know, and and there were some changes in the freak show that we saw. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that really kind of um, haven't gone North Carolina's way this season. You know, the one thing that we don't talk about a whole lot is the fact that, you know, outside of the freak show, the biggest recruiting event is – I'll just ask Ross if, if Ross knows. Ross, who, what is the biggest recruiting event outside the freak show for the entire UNC calendar year? Is it the, the Duke-Carolina basketball game? It is. And guess what happened this season? Uh, it, it didn't work out right. It was on a weird, it was during the dead season, right? During a dead period. It was during the dead season. So they weren't able to take advantage of that. And that's a huge advantage that UNC has at its disposal. For, for people who aren't familiar, obviously UNC plays Duke in basketball. And one of the games is in Chapel Hill. And what the football team has done under Coach Fedora is use that as the mega elite junior day. And they do a whole bunch of stuff and, you know, that's kind of geared to having fun with uh, with the recruits. And then it ends with the UNC Duke basketball game. Um, but they weren't able to do that because it fell on during the dead period. So that was a huge advantage that, that they missed out on with this class. But they have done some new things, particularly, you know, they have some new um, recruiting staffers that have brought some new ideas, particularly the cookout that was in April which a lot of the, the attendees came back with, with high praise. And I felt like it was a very unique thing that, um, that kind of changed our perception about North Carolina. And th- there are some plans in the works for some other stuff that's coming up. Um, so they are trying new things. And it's just you know one of those situations where you throw some stuff on the wall and see what sticks and um, kind of go from there. But, yeah, I mean, you, you always have to adjust because recruiting is, is, is always adjusting as it is, and everybody else is adjusting and trying different new things. So you do have to adjust. I don't know if there's anything major that needs to be done, um, but there are some tweaks that definitely need to be done. What are your thoughts, Ross? Yeah, um, I mean, I think the main thing is winning helps, and building that winning culture over a couple years will help, and getting fans in the stadium if UNC wins will really help the game day experience for those crucial visits uh you know uh, game visits during the season unc gets what six or seven of them a, a year i think those are, are, are a great chance to show off your program and if you have a really empty stadium and, and no students there that really hurts so i mean it starts you know it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing you gotta have recruits to win but you, you gotta win to, to get recruits that whole deal i think i think we'll see some changes kind of like you touched on with the new staff uh, you got the two coaches from Tennessee. I'm sure they're bringing in some influence there. Um, kind of the new blood there with the, the wide receivers coach, Luke, Luke Pascal. And that kind of brings me to another question about the loss of Gunnar Brewer and some other coaches. You know, Gunnar Brewer was the big Charlotte impact recruiter there who did pretty well in that area and was kind of highlighted as, as one of UNC's star recruiting coaches. Um, Don, how do you think that affected uh, how how that's going to affect in-state recruiting maybe this this cycle or next cycle? And additionally, like, I mean, UNC cannot be losing these in-state recruits like Peyton Wilson and Dax Holyfield. I mean, I know it's really tough with Virginia Tech and Clemson and Tennessee 
right on those borders lurking in and, and stealing UNC's and, and NC State's and state recruits. But, I mean, when you got a guy in county like Peyton Wilson and guys in Wake County and some of these surrounding counties, it, it's really – it's really tough and a huge hit to recruiting when you, you can't close that border. Um, but that kind of brings me back to that Brewer question. What do you think that loss uh, affects recruiting, Don? And then we'll kind of wrap this up and maybe touch on a little bit more at the Freak Show before you get into those donuts. Uh, Brewer was a huge, huge, huge loss. North Carolina has seen a bunch of guys, a bunch of coaches leave to go somewhere else during my long tenure covering UNC football recruiting. And I feel like... Brewer's departure was probably the the biggest uh, the biggest loss just because of not only his ability to establish relationships within Charlotte, but I think really and I'm not this is not I guess a jab at um, Luke Pascal, but um, Brewer did a really good job of recruiting the wide receivers and establishing relationships with those guys. He wasn't the lead recruiter on Antoine Green, for example. That was Chad Scott, who's also an unbelievable recruiter. But he, w- but Coach Brewer was a major uh, piece to landing into Antoine Green because he was able to to speak about his resume and and to establish a bond with him. And that's the sort of things that he he does with um, not only just the guys in Charlotte, but also the receivers. And you know, UNC does have a, a commit from um, Welton Spotsville, who was at the Freak Show and, and looked like a beast. You know that he's looked like the past couple of weeks um <laughs> but um you know Spotsville was going to come to North Carolina regardless as long as his offer was committable but there's other guys like uh Donovan Green uh Brewer made a very strong impact on even within a short window that he was actually recruiting him and I I don't want to say that Green would be here would 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 be committed to North Carolina if um Brewer was still at UNC, but it wouldn't surprise me just because of the, the, the type of relationships that, that he builds. But yeah, it was a huge, huge blow to UNC's recruiting. The good news is, is that UNC had Tommy Thigpen and was able to move him into Charlotte. So you know, Thigpen is already doing a really good job. He's working Tony Davis really hard, which is main, one of the main reasons why he was at the Freak Show on Saturday. So it's there's not... I don't even know if it's a step down with Tommy Thigpen, but I think what I think about is how great would this recruiting staff be if you still had Brewer and you had Thigpen on another area or focus on on you know different areas that are that are important. I mean, it would be you know a, a pretty good um, recruiting team, um, in yeah. my opinion. And I think what made Brewer so good, I think it was a couple of reasons, was he could show NFL players you know that he had, he had coached. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you always touted Randy Moss, Des Bryant, and now he had Switzer and Matt Collins, uh, along with some other guys. That was huge. And then he was so personable and affable and yes. energetic when you got on campus. He he kind of took an almost, um, you know, like he was a recruiting coordinator in some respects. And I think he did kind of take that role a little bit at times where, you know, he just brought a different energy that it's just you can't it's hard to duplicate a personality like that. And, you know, he was very good with parents and um just really relating to kids and stuff and you know that's it's uh it, it's a shame he's not there but they, they unc did add some other coaches that bring different aspects to that too so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out don to kind of wrap this up um freak show this is a freak show podcast any major takeaways obviously no commits 
other than uh, Keenan Johnson. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, Keenan Johnson committed, I guess, kind of before the freak show. But it was surprising not to see any commits because usually we're, we're writing at least two or three, four stories, you know, that night after, after the freak show. Uh, we didn't see any of those. Thoughts on that? And then in general, let's kind of wrap this up here um, to kind of, uh, you know, put this freak show in the books for, the, for 2018. Well, I think that when it comes to the, the commitment department, if you're on UNC staff, you can't be happy with, with what happened on, on Saturday. They got, yeah, they got two commits on Saturday, but it feels like they didn't get any. I mean, did, do you get that feeling too, Ross? Who was the other commit? Keenan Johnson and who? The, well, the one that we're not allowed to say because the, oh, okay. the player in particular, he, he was actually there at the freak show and he wants to go home and he wants to do some sort of video okay. and also kind of celebrate it with his family, which I completely understand. So, so guys, keep refreshing and clicking the meshes boards and just clicking all the articles to, to update to make sure when, when Don does break that news, you can see it. So just keep clicking. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate the, the plug. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I think, you know, this is the event that you're supposed to get. This is the, the, the culmination event where all of these things have been going on. The guy's trending towards North Carolina and they're supposed to make a decision. And really, they don't. You know what I mean? And it just, yeah. it's just, it's just kind of, it almost kind of, I mean, you and I, and we're, we're looking at it from a different perspective. As you mentioned, I mean, we, we're used to being in the office till three o'clock in the morning, writing up, you know, uh, stories on commits and everything. And we left around, it was around midnight, um, you know, last night. And we were kind of looking at each other like, well, I don't know what was on your mind, but I know when I was looking at you, I was like, um, yeah, is is this it? We're just writing up this report, you know. Kind of felt like, you know, yeah. I was like, where's, where's the content? I feel like we need exactly. more content, but we just yeah. didn't have any commits. It was kind of just like, yeah. I mean, and, I get where you're saying from. And I think the main thing is just the, the the changes that they made to the freak show. The one thing, one change that I, I didn't mention early on was there was a lot of guys at the freak show. That, you know, this is supposed to be kind of an elite event. And as, as elite as you can make it underneath NCAA rules, you know, UNC can't make it strictly um, you know, invitation only. That's, that's just not allowed. So, yes, there's going to always be guys there who aren't on the same level of talent as, as the other guys. But I felt like it was almost – it was close to a 50-50 split. And that's just the feeling I got um, – as far as, you know, guys who are elite guys and guys who are, you know, not so elite. Yeah, a lot, of riff, a lot of riffraff that probably yeah, shouldn't so, have been there. So because of that, they couldn't do the who's next portion. And and that has, in the past, it has created a, a domino effect. You know, you get one guy to jump in and then, you know, one guy who's kind of sitting on the sidelines and he's kind of thinking about it. And then he just says, you know, the hell with it. I'm going to do it and just does it. And that has happened in the past. And, you know, you, you don't want to put a kid on a spot and have him make a decision that, that he doesn't want to make. But a lot of those situations, they just need the push. Yeah. And there's a couple of guys like a Raekwon Anderson or maybe even a Tony Davis. I wouldn't have been shocked to see any one of those guys kind of step forward during the who's next portion and say, all right, I want to commit. And, and now we have to at least wait a day or it's going to be more, you know, uh, Raekwon doesn't plan on making a decision until July 2nd. Who knows what's going on in, in Tony Davis's mind. 
But uh, and I'm sure there's other guys who who could have been close. Ali Jennings is wide receiver that we didn't talk about in the, in the podcast, but we talked about in the um, in some of our updates and everything. Yeah, you know, wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see him jump in the boat either. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, that kind of who's next thing has kind of slowed down in recent years. It, it depends on if they know some guys are commit because if you do that and no one commits, you look like a fool. So you have well, to usually, have. A- so I mean, you you know this from being on the inside. Usually, and, and this was really what was supposed to happen with um, Josh Henderson. Josh Henderson committed, and he was going to keep it quiet, and he was going to be that first domino to fall. Yeah. Well, it turns out the the fact that he had committed to North Carolina started to leak out. He didn't want he wanted to be the one to tell his story, so he came out a couple of days beforehand. But usually, I mean, uh, the one that pops in my head was Javal Millette. You know, he purposely waited until the freak show, and he was the domino. So the coaches usually kind of plan this stuff out and kind of know they're not going to go up there and do it if they don't think anybody's going to commit, you know? Yeah, Javal Millet, man, RIP. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's not dead. He just – he's left the program. <laughs> yeah. Um, literally nothing at UNC. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just uh, – you know, you got to have commits, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, and you don't want to force these kids. But there was a little less hype around commitments, but I thought – there were some cool changes to the to the freak show overall, and you know it's an evolving thing. It's a cool thing that Fedora started when he got here that I think is has definitely gained traction with kids in an event that a lot of um, a lot of people look forward to. Um, I think that's about it. And obviously, there's tons of scoop uh, from Don and, and I's scoop, uh, mostly Don, a little bit of me on the on our premium board there. A lot of discussion going on there. If you want to get more intel into you know, certain players and one-on-ones and, and what we saw there that we haven't told the podcast. Um, other than that, I mean, any state closing statements, Tommy or, or Dom, before we, we head to donut time? Well, I think we need to ask Tommy. Tommy, you know, he's he's looking at it from the outsider's perspective, and he has the, um, I guess, you know, well, John's the one with the pulse of the fan. So Tommy's, I guess, a close <laughs> second. Um, so, so I mean, you, you paid attention to all this stuff, and, you know, not as, as – deep as, as Ross and I. But So what were your thoughts on just how everything went with it, with the freak show? Well, I, I, I think it's a neat thing. I, I think that if the changes you've talked about and the changes maybe we've talked about as far as recruiting, it could pick back up again. I think that this season for this staff, especially the first four games of the season, I, I think if Carolina could manage to go 4-0 and and maybe some other teams could start slow, I think you might see some a shakeup in some of this recruiting that would positively affect North Carolina, especially for, um, you know, local, maybe local in-state guys and recruiting in general. And then I think Carolina could get back on the right track with the freak show. I think that when I ask you about approaches in recruiting, and we need to wrap this because the bacon smell is strong and I'm ready to go eat, but I think that, getting the nose to the grindstone and recruiting and getting rid of some of the flash and pomp and circumstance will help the staff. But I think overall they need to get back to winning football games on the football field. They need to get back to beating their so-called rivals on the football field and they need to build the trust and recruit the mamas and the papas just as much as they recruit the players. Um, I don't know if that's, accurate for everybody but i think if you recruit the mamas and the papas and they like you and they trust you then i think you've got a good shot with their children so anyway uh, it's been a very enjoyable listening listen for me and don I, i've missed talking to you buddy i know you don't love me like you love buck 
and maybe well, that can love John anybody. now. Yeah. I don't even I'm, love my wife like I love Buck. <laughs> Don's a Don's a John guy. <laughs> you good for the Tommy, the Tommy hosted podcasts. I, I feel like I'm cheating on John right now. Well, John is uh somewhere not here. So yes. you had, now you've got us, and I think it's been pretty well. I'm gonna cut it off because you boys will talk forever. We got to save something for you know the podcast over the next several years. We can't do it all in one day. So. All right, all right. Well, happy Father's Day, Tommy. Yep, happy Father's Day, guys. Ross, Don, I'm Tommy Ashley. Appreciate y'all listening. See you guys. Sure Ross has some kids somewhere. <laughs> Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.